Okay. We're recording. Hi, I'm uh, Karen B., a compulsive overeater. Um, so I think I'll start, and then Nancy um, can will tell her story. And but I think a lot of my story, you'll also hear some uh, some of Nancy um, in. She's been my um, was my sponsor for that got me abstinent, and so um, and she's alive today by <laughs> by the grace of God through that, and I'll get to that. Um, so I'm Karen B., compulsive overeater from Philadelphia. Um, good morning. Um, struggled with my weight my whole life. Surprise, surprise, right? At, um, started at, started at, um, a diet club at 10, 11, 12 years old, somewhere around there, you know, where you were sitting there and you got the exchanges and all these different things. I mean, I've been through all of them. Um... And, again, the cycle, lose weight, gain back. I mean, I'm stubborn. That's one of the character defects that I have that certainly shows itself in in my story and in in my weight loss because I can lose weight. It's the keeping it off, and it's the, you know, the sanity that in being able to to have this process that I never understood. So I, I... We'll see how good I took some notes of where in the big book. We'll we'll see how this goes, and maybe I'll just end up <laughs> telling my story. But um, April 2014 um, was a, a time when my best friend, she had already been in program in, in OA um, since September. And we went out to dinner, which was, of course, no fun to go with her because she wasn't eating compulsively and I wanted to, Um, you know, so I was being good. And and she prayed and she's like, okay, she's like, I talked to my sponsor and I don't know how to say this except I'm afraid you're killing yourself. I was 264 pounds, so I've given away 45, 50 pounds. So I was 45, 50 pounds heavier than I am now. And she's like, you're killing yourself with food and I love you and I'm scared. Um, <clears throat> so she gave me a packet and she says, here's a phone meeting, you know, just try it. Or, and there was a meeting list in there too. And, um, and I said, I'm like, you know what? I, I, she's like, I think you're one of us. Yeah, I think I am too. I, I knew it, you know, self-knowledge, right? I knew it, but yeah, I went home that night and ate. Um, I did call um, a phone meeting, and there was, it, it was, uh, I think, or no, I started, I went to the recordings, January 1st, starting with Bill's story. Page one, war fever ran high. What does this have to do with me? Nothing. Boopsh. I don't even know if I made it through the first recording. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then it's interesting, um, because I wanted to do it my way. This isn't, this isn't me. I'm not ready. I know I'm not ready. Let me do it my way. I'm a compulsive exerciser. I joined this compulsive exercise endeavor. Um, and then in September of 2014, um, crawled off my bike after riding 78 miles at 264 pounds. You know, I'd only lost. I hear I'm riding 5,000 5, calories a bike ride, doing all this stuff. I lost 10 pounds. Like, clearly, I was eating to make up for, and I was. I'd lock myself in my room with my binge foods, crawl into bed, and just eat. So I should have been 
melted away to nothing. No, uh, 10 pounds I lost, but I, I, I was a failure. Um, <clears throat> so I crawled off my bike and um, basically went, called my best friend who had told me in, in working with others, it says, you know, all right, people have to be at their place. Talk to them, tell them your story um, or, or about your behavior and your experience, strength and hope. And some are ready and some aren't. And I wasn't. I wasn't. In fact, oh, she was so happy. It was like <laughs> awful. Like, you know, when they talk about um, when, when they talk about Ebby. Ebby walked in, fresh-skinned and glowing. Page nine, there was something about his eyes. He was inexplicably different. That was her, and it was annoying. (laughs) Because I didn't want to be there. I wanted to be in the food, and I didn't want what she had. I didn't. So she let me be, our friendship, best friend since we were 13. As working with others says, she let me be and told me, I will be there for you. So on September 7th, when I called her and said, listen, I can't do this. Or and it was September 24th, the week of, because that was my first meeting. I'm there for you. And she met me. Meet me Wednesday night at the church parking lot. It's kind of hard to get you. I'll walk you through. And <clears throat> it was amazing. <clears throat> um, I crawled off my bike and into my first meeting. And um, at the bottom of um, the preface, actually, who reads prefaces, right? Like, that's, I don't, you know, the big book, there's stuff in the preface. Well, at the bottom of what, XXII, it just says, you know, the importance of reading the big book, reading, going to meetings, hearing the stories, listening to recordings if you can't make a, per- a meeting. Because that's where I need to say, yes, this happened to me. Yes, I felt like that. Yes, I believe this program for, can work for me too. When I crawled into that meeting, there was someone sharing how three months in program, she didn't hate somebody who was at a party just eating. Like, how do you not hate someone eating at a party? Like, I don't get it. Like, that's what made me cry. That made me cry. And the instructions that I was given was don't leave your meeting without a sponsor, temporary sponsor, someone who raised their hand. They don't have to have that glow in their eye. Don't wait for that. Just go and get somebody. And also write down on a card your binge foods. I'm like, what's a binge food? Because at that point I didn't know. They're like, all right, what are you locking in your, eating in your car and throwing away before you walk in? (laughs) What are you bringing into bed and locking yourself in? You know, I said a fourth step bad joke maybe but four step sex inventory never had a threesome unless you count ben and jerry (laughs) sorry (laughs) but you know that's eating in bed is one of my behaviors you know sorry about that but (laughs) but you know that was oh okay clearly ben and jerry and it wasn't even like super high it was ben and jerry strawberry cheesecake ice cream that it wasn't I'm like oh who knows at that point can I have frozen yogurt I don't know that was too much for me it was what are my foods and what are my behaviors she said write them down take a picture don't eat them don't do them and call me in the morning and that's what I did um and so then I I went and, and my first temporary sponsor was helpful she was like, okay, helping me identify. These were my first binge foods 
okay, well, what about trigger foods? What are some other behaviors? I sent my food into her every day and things like that, and that was um, very helpful. But we weren't going and working any big book or program. So, although my best friend, she's multiple programs, she's like, oh, well, have you gotten a big book? What's, you know, like going through, because she wouldn't be my sponsor. And so I was like, okay, so I got, I already tried listening, and I don't know who this Bill guy is, but I don't hear anything that relates to me. So then I got an audio book, because I drive. I have an hour commute everywhere. And then it was just someone reading. We of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I was like, I can't. Again, nothing is relating. I'm supposed to be saying, yes, that happened to me. Yes, I felt like that. I'm hearing it in meetings. But nothing about this big book am I hearing that. And then for me, someone introduced me to Joe and Charlie. And so for Joe and Charlie, um, I learned the fine threads that is and started alcohol that hold us together bind us together and is Alcoholics Anonymous Um, and what that introduced me to is being able to hear these words in a different way so (laughs) a little bit of time in and my last binge was October 30th so September 24th 2014 was my first meeting October 30th was my my last binge because I was white knuckling it I was holding on Um, and there was no spiritual connection that I had. It was just food. It was just food. And then I walk into a meeting and then there's this woman that also has this glow in her eye, you know, talking about some, some tough stuff. Um, life is lifey. Someone once said, you know, but she just had this calmness and presence around her. And, and that was when I want what she has. In the beginning, I didn't need to find someone. that I just needed someone that could get me started. And then when I found someone who had what I wanted, I, I asked and we walked. And <laughs> we, um, you know, she's like, tell me a little bit about yourself. And we're all walking down Samson Street, if anyone knows, and we're crossing over Broad Street. And, you know, I was talking, anyone who knows me, I'm the cheese girl, you know. And I'm like, I love cheese. Oh, I love it. It's its own food group, and it's all this stuff. <laughs> and it really is, is, is the perfect thing. And she's like, is that a really healthy attitude to have bell food? <laughs> I'm like, why did I talk to this lady, you know. <laughs> so November 17th is the day I celebrated that I, well, before I used to say that I didn't kill Nancy. Um, now it's the day that I saved her life. Because literally when she said, would you be willing to put down cheese for today? And I said, I don't want to, but I'm willing to. And then I saw the SEPTA bus. And I'm like, no one would know we had this conversation <laughs> as if I... You know, pushed her in. But that's November 17th, 2014 is the day I saved Nancy's life. But in reality, (laughs) you had no clue, did you? (laughs) But I just celebrated five years. And I messaged Nancy. It's the day, maybe the day I saved your life from that Septibus, but it's the day she saved mine. Um, And this program, because she went in and we started talking. And, you know, we were doing the questions. And she's like, do you have a big book? Get a big book. I was like, ooh, and my friend's like, oh, she's a big book person, yay, like, you're going to start doing big book, you know, and we were kind of going through the questions and doing things like that, and it got to a point where I don't know where I was in doing the work or answering, in full honesty, I was kind of doing it, but not really, and we came to this place, you know, where we were going to have to have a conversation, I think, of, of do I really want to do this, 
you know, and how much do I want to do it? And that's when my best friend came over, brought the big book, opened it up, and said, let's start with the preface. And again, ugh, why? But it's amazing because the Joe and Charlie that I was hearing, the stories in the, in, in the rooms that I was hearing and everything, bringing it in and going through line by line, like I'd read words, but then I'd hear her share, wow, there are so many people that I wouldn't cross paths with normally are in this room, and it's true. And we all have this common thread. And it was amazing. And I started to see this as a textbook. You know, I used to get freaked out, like, Bible, big book, all this stuff. Like, why? Oh, it's this big book. You know, it freaked me out. No, it, I, I like school. I'm a nerd. You know, I'm like, textbook I can get behind. It's just instructions. Like, okay, let me get rid of this charge around it and that I can get behind. And then we read, um, or I heard read the doctor's opinion. And again... XXVIII, I'm not good with the math, but you know, basically the bottom where he talks about um, men and women who are sent, uh, drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol, the sensation so elusive they cannot, after time, differentiate the true from the false. To them, their alcoholic life seemed the only normal one. Well, yeah, like, okay, yeah, like, this is my life, this is normal, it's my family, it's the, everybody. They are restless, irritable, and discontented. When I heard this is when my, I, my disease and the approach really just kind of was shaken a bit. Like, there's some words. I never had words for how I felt. And again, some of you I share hear a lot if, if I'm repeating or that you've heard it. But this book has given me the vocabulary that I didn't have, that I didn't want to have to put feel, words to my feelings and then I would just eat over them. Well, now I'm like, wait, oh my gosh, that's how I feel. Restless, irritable, discontented. Maybe there's something here. Maybe I can relate to this and maybe I can go through it. No problem. <laughs> um, <clears throat> the other thing um, with going through the big book or even step one, I am powerless. I could say it, you know, like, I, and I heard it. But um, in the doctor's opinion, it's that um, following his physical rehabilitation, he had talked with me in which he frankly stated that he thought the treatment was a waste of time, that unless I could assure him, which no one ever had, that in the future he would have the willpower to resist the impulse to drink. I'm a compulsive overeater. Willpower. Mm -hmm is something that I got. And for some reason, hearing that put the first step in, in a bit, I made it more relatable for me. Like, cause I used to say, why can't I have the willpower to just like, let me muster this up and let me, let me not eat this. And I always ate it. And so just hearing willpower, and it might've been Roseanne's story too, or something that talked about that made it relatable to food for me as well. And because this isn't just about alcohol, this is about food. <coughs> and then, um, and Bill's story, page five, which relates to the cheese. Um, you know, nevertheless, I still thought I could control the situation. There were periods of sobriety which renewed my wife's hope. So, yeah, I had periods. And, and in that first, you know, September 24th to October 30th, I, I was doing it. 
you know, but there wasn't that greater connection. And I realized there's things that I'm still trying to control. There's foods that I'm still trying to control. And somewhere else in the book, I can't find it. But it was, um, it's, it, it goes through in the big book, those questions. What do I keep in the house? Or what can I keep in the house? So I have it on my list as it's okay. And that was the cheese. I, I literally said that I get it on sandwiches when I go out. But if it's in the house, I'm going to eat it all. You know, and if I do this and do this, and it was like these, these domino card house, you know, a house of cards of if I do it this way, this way, then it's okay. No, I'm going to measures and lengths to control that food. So maybe I need to take a look at that. And that's what literally I was asked. And then come, that was Tuesday, November 17th. That Friday, I had already RSVP'd for a party. <laughs> a dinner party and they're vegetarian so I'm like okay and I, it was just two weeks prior I had done it so I had just recently put down this cheat this food so I didn't say anything or I didn't think of it and I go they're vegetarian not vegan everything had cheese <laughs> it was a veggie lasagna the brussels sprout or the the, the asparagus every single thing that I could eat had cheese sprinkled on it and I was like, oh my gosh, what do I do? And I mean, I'm like, it's four days. It's four days. I'll start tomorrow. How many times have I started tomorrow? You know? And I went and texted my best friend and now, and Nancy, my sponsor. And they got back to me and Kate was first. She's like, call me. I'm like, I can't. I'm right next to the, I'm right at the table. Get in the bathroom. I'm like, uh, I'm like, they can hear me. The bathroom's like, get in the bathroom. I'm like, okay, okay. She's scary. If you haven't met her, she's scary. But so, and she just says, I'll talk. You listen. She's like, get on your knees and pray. You've done it for four days. You've done, how bad do you want this? And how much pain have you been in? And I don't even remember everything she said. She's like, there's got to be something. So I went out there and um, did tell my friend, pulled my friend aside. And it was the raw vegetables that I brought. She made hummus. And it was the chickpeas left over from the hummus. I had a plate of broccoli, hummus, and chickpeas. And I would not believe me if I didn't live it. But it was the best meal I've ever had the best meal I've ever had. And that was because, holy crap, I did this. And so, yes, I came into program. My last binge was October 30th, but not killing Nancy, putting down the cheese and staying with the cheese, I consider being my first, my step one. That was when I realized I am powerless and that I can't do this on my own. And I already knew my life was unmanageable. Um, um I talked about that and then um picking a god of my own choosing I've always been um spiritual you know raised catholic you know so the organized religion thing was I didn't know how I felt about that but I became a groupie with my friend in AA until I you know I'm, alcohol's not my my food is my drug of choice and I'm like this is speaking to me but then when it came to food, I'm like, oh, no, thanks. <laughs> that doesn't apply. No, thank you. But there was that spiritual component. 
And then realizing there that, you know, I don't want to pick up. I don't want to start tomorrow. I don't want to do this. That was bigger than me. I didn't do that myself. And at that moment, I didn't know. It wasn't higher. It was my friend. It was. And then shortly afterwards, Nancy texted me back too. It was this fellowship that at first got me through it. Um, <laughs> and then the other big thing that I think I've learned from this program is it, number one, as I mentioned, gave me the vocabulary of my feelings. You know, step four can be scary. Um, it's pretty awesome. You know, but the steps are in sequence for a reason, <laughs> you know, to be ready to get there. I have a whole new vocabulary of character defects. Defects is hard when I talk to people outside a program. They're like, oh, that's you're really beating yourself up. Okay, then then defense mechanisms, whatever you want to call them. When I am go back to those first three words, restless, irritable, discontented, I'm like, Ooh, what's going on? And there was actually a situation I had with my boss where I had been asking for help. I was overwhelmed. I was everything. Just, I can't handle any of this. And she's like, well, we got someone to help you. I was pissed. <laughs> I'd been asking for help, but now I'm like, oh, wait, okay. Now I, she's like, you're quiet. Because I was sitting there going through my vocabulary of my inventory to say, what's going on here? It's my pride. And I, li I, I wear everything on my sleeve. So I told my boss, I'm like, my pride's a little hurt. My ego is kind of taking a hit right now because I want to be able to do this on my own. I feel like I should. But you know what? I've been asking for help for how long and how many people actually get the help that they ask for. So thank you. And within that few minutes, and practicing these principles in all of our affairs, I have to, and I live it, you know, and, and I, bleh, it, it, whatever I do, and that's this, this program, not going out and preaching it, you know, not going out whatever, it's living it. And she's like, oh, okay, some people don't know how to take it, you know, she's like, oh, okay, you know, I'm like, no, it's wonderful, thank you. So in that moment, I was able to turn around those Oh, let me go through that vocabulary. So that's the one vocabulary. And then the other thing is teaching me how to pray. I thought I knew how to pray. I prayed to be able to keep eating and not gain weight. <laughs> that's what I did. Or give me this. I want this. This is what I need. I need and this is what I want. I, I, I. On page 13 in Bill's story, it was to test my thinking of a new uh, God consciousness um, common sense would thus become uncommon sense. I was to sit quietly when in doubt, asking only for direction and strength to meet my problems as he would, would have me. Never was I to pray for myself except as my request bore on my usefulness to others. Then only might I expect to receive, but that I would, but that would be in great measure. Um... I didn't like hearing it because I still wanted to pray. And I do pray still for me. I'm like, please, I really want this. Like, can you do it this way? But the pause now with the food down and the clarity of seeing the gifts that uh, my higher power, that God, that this program has given me is, you know what? I want this to happen this way, but it's okay. How do you want it to be? Because I might not like it, but it's going to be amazing. You know, I came into this program um, prior to making jokes that I was dead inside. I'm like, ha, 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 I'm dead inside. That's okay. I won't meet anybody. I'm fine. I'm cool. I'm 30. I was 37. I'm like, I don't need to meet anyone. I'm dead inside. And my friends are like, 
that, that that's not okay. <laughs> like, and I'm like, yes, it is. It's totally fine, you know. <clears throat> and I have love and a life when it says catapulted to the fourth dimension and, and beyond my wildest dreams. That has happened. Um, people still annoy me. People still get on my nerves. <laughs> Those people that I love now, they're back in my life and they're the ones pushing my buttons. But when it does, that, how do I go through? And the sick man's prayer, learning the sick man's prayer, that person's freaking annoying. But I love them, right? Yes, I do. Okay, even if I didn't love them, they are a sick person. How can I be of service to them? That is a prayer, and that's funny, my, my first fifth step was with Nancy. And... um she that's what we sat there and we went through the worksheets and we went through what it was and she had me read we were open to the sick man's prayer and she had me read it after every resentment I'm like this is awkward I'm like I don't feel this and then there was one time she's like I don't really I didn't believe that I didn't feel say it again there was a couple times I said it two three times you know and then I was like oh all right you know the importance of shutting up and doing what I'm told and this stuff works you know, so seeing here and, and every step, I think, has a prayer, you know, and going through and, and learning them, that it doesn't have to be the prayers or the religion that I grew up with. It's something bigger than me and doing what I'm told. And this book outlines everything. Um, and now still working on my relationship, you know, with my mother. I, I do have to say this part talks about the, the first four chapters or the beginning but there is instructions and in everything into action, working with others, to the wives, the family afterwards, the employer, everybody. If I need to know how to do something and relate to someone, I go here. Or if I don't know this book, I call someone because there's people who know it. And they'll be like, oh, how about this? Or, you know, there's something in words of wisdom in here. Um, but I also know that it's the spiritual connection that I need to have, those prayers that I come back to. There's some that I have that I just need to memorize. The sick man's prayer was one that got me through the uh, majority of it. Um, and then, you know, let's see. Sorry, this is where I go back to my notes. And But anyway, but but, you know, realizing that I am spiritual. I have to, I still don't know how to use the word God I still don't know how to use the word higher power. I don't have a definition of what that is. I'm not sure, but it's not me. It's something bigger. Um, and I don't, and that's okay, I don't have to. I don't have to. Um, because I just need to continue to work this. And, and again, my relationship right now with my mom is getting better. You know, I had to make a tough amends there and admit that I've hurt her. You know, I'm engaged in getting married, and we now live together, and we haven't killed each other. You know, we were, I was off six weeks of work, he's not working, and we're still getting along. That is a miracle, you know? Um, and my sister, like, the, and even just little things. The other day, I was crying. I felt crappy. I just felt crappy. And, you know... Sometimes food talks to me, sometimes it doesn't. It's where am I spiritually? But I will pick up if I don't do something. You know, I'm like, okay, well, no. Yeah, what, does that kind of look good? Does that, oh, would I really like to do this? Yes, I would. I would like to. But no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna right now. 
because I know that's going to get me back to a slippery slope of going into the food, not going through that vocabulary, not being able to vocalize and practice these principles in my affairs and not be able to relate to people. I was able to have a conversation with my sister and say, I feel like I'm not really there for you at the moment. I said, but I want you to know how much I appreciate you and everything you're doing. Like, how can I, how can I help you? How can I be there for you? And so I got outside of myself and those thoughts of food went away, you know? So I'm not 100% neutral every single day because I need to work this every single day. And I have the tools so that I can be, that those feelings and thoughts can go away. Um, and that's just by the miracle of this program. So that's a little bit about my story. But. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Oh, hello, everyone. And let me, oh, that was, thank you, Karen. Wow. Thank you. I get really emotional because I look at where I was and where I am today. And if someone had told me I'd be here today, I'd have thought they were making fun of me. Um, <coughs> I, th I start my story actually at age seven. Um, my birthday's in October. I went to third grade when I was seven. So in October I was eight. Because um, that's really kind of where my life kind of, in a way, started or stopped, stopped however. Anyway, um, but first I want to say I'm so grateful to be here. I'm so grateful to see all of you here. I'm so grateful to be alive, and I'm so grateful for this program. Because truly, without this program, I, wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't be here talking to you, and I probably wouldn't be here, period. Um, I love this book. I can remember someone gave me a copy of it when I came into this program in March of 2013. And my character, some of my character defects are superiority, know-it-all, uh, and I went, why, do, why is he giving this book by these drunks? <laughs> you know, clue, truly clueless, truly clueless. Um, and as I've gone through this many times in this book, um, I love these people. I just love them. And I love, every time, every day, I love this book even more. Truly a design for living. Um, I, I put, I'm still in awe and become every day more in awe because my life gets better. At one time I wanted to end it and to be here and able to say that it gets better is amazing. Um, my story starts, like I said, starts um, seven to eight. Um, I don't know if you're familiar, if any of you are familiar with colorism. For those of you not familiar with colorism, it's the order of hierarchy and the African American community around skin tone. <laughs> It is a legacy of slavery and colonialism. And it goes like this. Okay, it goes, it's a legacy of colonialism and slavery. It goes like this. If you're white, you're right. If you're brown, stick around. If you're black, get back. There's even a brown paper bag test. If you're lighter than a brown paper bag, you pass. If you're not, you're, if you don't, you're, you, if you're not, you don't pass. And what happened, whatever, and I know there's some reasons for that, because I believe everything happens for a reason. Um, I was the only light, dark-skinned girl in a class of light-skinned girls. 
and my teacher was extremely light-skinned with green eyes. So he never called me by my name. He called me Farina Buckwheat and Four Eyes the whole semester. And so it's so interesting because I heard someone say that overeating is a solution to a problem. It's not the problem, it's a solution. And it's so interesting for me, it's such a clear demarcation because before that, before third grade, my mother despaired of me because one of the reasons, probably the only way my mother could really show love is through food. And I was her firstborn, her only girl, and I didn't particularly like food. I was what she called a poor eater. I didn't, I, I didn't eat. I, didn't, I remember going, why do I have to eat? Occasionally, and I know now that I was absolutely born a compulsive overeater. I'm clear about that. I didn't always believe that, but I'm clear about that because she said occasionally she could get me to eat something if she would promise me a sweet, but occasionally. After that class, that's when the disease kicked in and I became a compulsive overeater. And what I find so interesting, it's funny how you don't see the irony until you talk to someone and they start laughing about it. Um, one of my trigger foods is chocolate. Well, my father started working for Whitman's Chocolate before I was born and continued until he retired. So he was my pusher. So we're before, <laughs> so we're before, it's like, uh, you know, whatever that became. And it's interesting because my father and I, and I recognized this in my late teens and early 20s, that we were the same because he's an alcohol, he was an alcoholic. And I could see we were the same way that I was around food, <laughs> particularly the sugar, as the way he was around alcohol. And so after that class, after that semester, I was suicidal. I remember I used to say, God, why did you do this to me? Why did you make me dark? Why did you make me ugly? Why did you make me female? And I said female because there was a boy in my class who was darker than I was, but he never called him out his name. Mm -hmm. And I would say, God, why did you do this? How many times? I wanted to die. I would say, why was I ever born? I wish I'd never been born. And the only reason I really didn't kill myself, try overtly, because my family had a real deep belief that if God gave you a life, you didn't have a right to take it. That's one of my friends said one of those dysfunctional, functional messages, because it kept me alive. In 1990, um, I got sick and I was dying. And I knew I was dying, and people around me knew I was dying. And that's when I got clear. I didn't want to die. I just didn't want to keep living the way I was living. Mm -hmm. And someone sent me to a doctor. Um, and she was a medical doctor, but she'd been um, gotten into her alternative forms of healing. Because in the mid-'80s, and I went to her in the 90s, her husband had gotten an inoperable form of cancer, basically incurable. And they told her to t take him home make him comfortable so he could die. And she said, she, she grew up in Hong Kong, educated in Scotland, and she said, they never stop in China with just one method. They keep going and going and going. And she said, I'm determined. I'm not going to let her husband was named Dexter. I'm not going to let Dexter die. And she went on a healing search, a journey, and found macrobiotics, which actually came to this country as a healing diet for cancer. And so within eight months, Dexter was 80% healed of his cancer. She opened an alternative practice <clears throat> in her home. And I went to her, and she said to me, um, and I told her everything that was going on. She spent an hour and a half with me, and she said to me, don't look at this illness as your enemy. Look at it as your teacher and your friend. What is it here to teach you? How is it here to befriend you? And then um, that was like a 180. And then as we talked more, she said, would you consider changing what you put in your mouth? Now, before that, I used to tell people I lived on fat, sugar, and preservatives. Well, I'm dying, and I know I'm going to die. 
And so I do exactly what she tells me to do. What I didn't know then, which I know now, it took out my trigger foods. Took out my trigger foods. So from 92 to 2007 or eight, I'm not sure when, um, basically I was not eating my trigger foods, so I was kind of okay, but not okay. And what happened was that some things, life in life terms, stuff started happening. And I remember this, I was listening to someone a court of, on a vision for you. He said, if that voice talked to us in the voice of Darth Vader, we'd listen. But it talks to us in our own voice, like if it said to me, Nancy, you've been good for all these years. <laughs> you can walk down that hall and eat some of that stuff. You can eat one. Now, I'm an addict of food. Am I going to eat one? But that's what the voice says. He says it talks to you in your voice. And then after you do it, it disowns you. I didn't tell you to eat more than one. <laughs> and I was off to the races. And actually um, didn't stop until uh, March of 2013. Actually, I didn't know that's not true. That's when I came into program. March of 2013, because what happened, I was working in Macy's in the home store, and I was surrounded by my trigger foods on three, si three sides, this side, this side, and behind me, Godiva and Asher's chocolate. And what I was doing was going in the back, stealing that outdated chocolate and eating it. You can get fired for that, by the way, just so you know. But I was doing it anyway. And in 2012, I got a scare because they called me in and said, um, I had bought some, some sets of dishes, and I didn't have a car, so I couldn't take them home, so I put them in a place where I thought they were safe, and she said I couldn't, the security said I couldn't put them there. So I put them in another place, and that place had a camera that I didn't know about. So I was taking them home one at a time, so they thought I was stealing them. So they called me into the office. Now, I didn't know this. And I had just finished reading a Jack Reacher novel, if you don't know, with Jack Reacher, his, um, by Lee Child, his, 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 a military policeman, he's a policeman. And he said in the book that I read, the police a lot of times don't have anything on you. They're just testing to see if they can get you to confess. That's the only thing that saved my sorry ass, let me tell you. <laughs> so they're calling me in, and they're, sorry, they're talking to me about these dishes. Now, I think they're talking to me about that chocolate I've been stealing since 2009. <laughs> but I keep my mouth shut. And, I went, and as they keep questioning me, questioning me, questioning me, I went, oh, they're not talking about the dish, the, the chocolate. They're talking about the dishes. And then I get outraged. How dare they say that I'm stealing the dishes, you know, when they left the coat. I'm going to sue them because obviously I'm insane, you know, and there's no, I'm truly without, I'm insane. I mean, it's clear. Well, that's, then that was 2012, 2013, March of 2013. It's a Sunday. I'm back in there and I'm eating those chocolates. And that's when I realized something's really, really, really wrong. I can't stop. And I call my friend and I'm crying. And I don't have any language because I don't know about, you know, I know there's an OA, but I don't have the language. So I just said, I can't stop, and I'm going to get fired. And she told me to go to a friend, and I said, I knew about OA, so that Monday I went to an OA meeting and cried through the whole meeting. And then Thursday I went to another meeting. At the end they do the promises, and I said, I hope the promises can come true for me. Well, just so you know, I didn't do anything <laughs> except come to meetings. Because when they told me I had to give up my trigger foods, I said, well, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and that was March. My birthday's October 1st. October 2nd, um, I take off on my birthday at Macy's, so Monday I'm not working. Tuesday I come back, and I'm working, I'm waiting on customers, and a customer comes up to me and says, I want to pay a bill. It's around lunchtime. 
And I said to her, I can't help you. I'm not feeling well. You have to go to another register. And she's standing there looking at me. And I'm thinking, why is she looking at me? Why is she not going to another register? Well, she was looking at me because I was in the middle of having a stroke and she was a nurse. And so what happened, this whole left side collapsed, and she came around and held me up so they could lay me on the ground. And that was great because if I had fallen, because I was not on carpeting, I was on a marble floor. And um, lay me down. I get into the ambulance, and they say they're just coming by my building from another run. And so I get to Mercy Suburban Hospital. They helicopter me down to Jefferson. That was a Tuesday. I didn't have stop having TIAs until Thursday. Sunday, Saturday, Sunday, I get off the out of CCU in the hospital. <coughs> Wednesday, release me. Two and a half weeks later, I go to the physical therapist, and she can't see where I had a stroke. Do not tell me there's not a God, a higher power, because I'm living proof that there is. So now I'm screaming, I need a sponsor. I got to work this program. I have gotten the gift of desperation. And I get the sponsor, and he's not really abstinent. And so it's not until December. I found, see someone on the list, said, ask her if she can be my sponsor. And part of me says, thinks, oh, she can't really be that good a sponsor because she's too timid, she's too quiet. I don't know if she'll work, but she's the only one available. And that was um, a Saturday. That Tuesday, she told me to call her, and I, before I called her, I'd gone and gotten my trigger foods with every intention of eating them, hoping she won't ask me what I'm going to eat because <laughs> I promised myself I would not lie, I would tell the truth. And so she says to me, what are you going to eat? Blah, 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 chocolate covered this. She says, you need to throw those in the trash. Well, I tell the truth. I'm an addict, and you know it. While she's on the phone with me, I flushed them down the toilet. That would have been my abstinent date, except that that Friday I kind of overeat, which I don't usually do because I'm not a volume eater. Um, so the 18th of December is my date. And so January 1st, um, my friend and I are cooking, to, kept <coughs> cooking together. And um, I start not feeling well. And she says, I lay on the couch. She says, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm okay. She says, I'm still on the couch. She says, do you want me to call your brother? And I go, no, I'm okay. She says, later, do you want me to call an ambulance? I said, well, maybe you might want to. Well, I had a heart attack. Oh, God. So another to the hospital, another helicopter ride down to Presbyterian Hospital. When I got back, someone at Macy says, oh, you're getting frequent flyer miles. <laughs> and let me tell you, you do not want to be getting frequent flyer miles on medical transport. That is not the way to go. And the thing is, the wonderful thing about it was that my sponsor told me to listen to A Vision for You, which I resisted for weeks and weeks, and also to get a big book. And we went to the big book. And now I could hear it. And every time I read it, I get so moved, and Dr. Silkworth, I mean, that's amazing. First of all, a medical doctor who admits there's some people I just don't have an answer for. I can't help them. Um, the things that he says and talks about, you know, the allergy of the body, and the alcohol, the body of the alcoholic is quite as abnormal as his mind. I mean, he's doing the mind, body, spirit. That's something that's just, in this culture, in Western culture, is just getting acknowledged, like, now. It's like, you know, when, it, when people started talking about it, it was like this new agey thing. I mean, but it makes sense. We're not split up. It's body, mind, and spirit for him to understand that it's not only in my mind, but it's in my body. To get that is absolutely profound, that he would be so humble as to say, I just don't have answers. 
but I see what's going on because that's the start. And for him to have that kind of courage, because it took courage, because a lot of doctors, you know, had been, you know, shunned or drummed out for having views that are different than a lot of people. So the courage of Dr. Silkworth, but it's this money, money, and it's in, it explains many things for which we cannot otherwise account. The way I act, the way I am around, the way I lose my mind. I mean, I literally, I, I'm insane. You know, when, when I'm in my food, when I don't have program, when I'm putting that stuff in my body, I am literally insane. And there's, n there's no other words for it. I'm, Karen says, batshit crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, here's a, the, the son, and what he talks about is the, the, these men. Think about, you know, it still awes me. There was no, help. There was no help before this. You were alcoholic. You were to die and die badly. I mean, it didn't matter who you were, where you lived, how much money, because a lot of these people in this book have a lot of money, and it didn't matter. And for Dr. Silkworth to, have to start this so that we know, understand that we've got a two, I've got a two-fold illness. My mind is the sickest of my body. It's just, you know, it's, there's, you, you see, I, for me, I see a larger hand. I see a higher power in all of this. And in my life, it, it, it's, that's just the case. And here's something else I read. And on the other hand, as strange as, these, as, as this may seem to those who do not understand, once a psychic change has occurred, that very same person who seemed doomed, who had so many problems, he despaired of ever solving them, suddenly finds himself easily able to control his desire for alcohol, the only effort necessary being that required to follow a few simple rules. And they are simple, not easy, but they are simple. What amazes me, I can have something that will, that's literally going to kill me. But here is a solution to not only not kill me, but to have a life I never dreamed possible. I mean, I, I, the, every day I become more in awe because I can't, I wake up every day, can't wait to live my life. And that's through this program, a design for living. That's what it gave me. And every day I have a way, something happens, I go, okay, what's the big book say? And I, here's the other thing, I know it's gonna be okay. Because I've got a higher power and I've got this book and if I order my steps, I know I'm gonna be okay. That's amazing. And it's something that the, the big book, I could not figure out for the longest time why my life would work sometimes, and sometimes it wouldn't, and sometimes it wouldn't, sometimes it wouldn't. And what I got, daily reprieve. The operative word being daily. I have to work this stuff daily. And that has made so much difference because of that consistency, because I didn't have it before. I'd do it, and maybe I wouldn't do it. If I felt like it, well, I didn't feel like it. But this book showed me, this people around showed me, I do this daily. And my life is, like I said, awesome. Here's something else. Um, and talked about, you know, the fact that I cannot start drinking without developing the phenomenon of craving. You know, I can't take, I can't, I mean, I, I, I saw it. I did it for 13, 14, whatever, how many years. I was fine. Quote, and I put quotes around fine because we know I, I know I wasn't, but, you know, I was outwardly. I took one bite, and I was off to the races. I couldn't start. It was like I had never stopped, and I was, and was saw what happened. I ended up 
almost dead. So this is a deadly disease, and I have to tell the truth about that. I cannot ever forget it will kill me. And that's the other. I can't start drinking without developing the phenomenal craving. I have it there. Oh, and that they were drinking to overcome a, 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 a craving beyond their mental control. I mean, absolutely the case. I couldn't control it. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. Once I started, I couldn't stop, and I didn't know where I'd be when I quote unquote did stop, and obviously almost did. Bill's story, the favorite part for me in Bill's story is his, is his um, Ebby story. <laughs> I just love that because apparently from what I understand, Ebby and Bill used to say, if I get as bad as Ebby, I'm going to stop. And if I get as Bill says, and Ebby says, if I get as bad as Bill, I'm going to stop. You know, and this, you know, I think some of you may know the story, with Ebby, he was going to be institutionalized until Roland Hazard, who I'll talk a little bit about later, you know, said, we can, we can help him. And that he comes to Bill fresh face, glowing, you know, and says to Bill, you know, I'm not taking a drink. Bill, what's this? What do you mean you're not going to take a drink? You know, this is what we do. This is who we are. No. He says, you know, he, um, he's talked about, he's, he's what I think he's talked about him being a, a crackpot. I, I just love that. <laughs> I just love that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he says, I, pull, I, I pushed a drink across the table. He refused it. Disappointed but curious, I wondered what had gotten to the fellow. He wasn't himself. <laughs> <laughs> Come, what's this all about, I queried. He looked straight at me, simply, simply but smiling. He said, I've got religion. <laughs> I was aghast. So that was it. Last summer, an alcoholic crackpot. Now I suspect just a little cracked. <laughs> he had that starry-eyed look. Yes, the old boy was on fire already, but bless his heart. The name Rant, besides, my gin would last longer than his rambling. I mean, you know, and I just so relate to that, you know, the before and after, you know. Don't, you know, I don't want to hear, really hear about how well you were doing or what you were doing and you're telling me that I had to put down my liquor, my alcohol. No, I didn't want to hear that. And, who, and seeing people, but it, seeing my sponsor, when I looked at her, I had to admit that I did want what she had. I did want what she had. So when the time came for her to be my sponsor, I was ready. And I think that's all for me and Bill's story. Um, yeah. Oh, and Bill's story is, it is a design for living that works in rough going. No matter what happens, I know that using these principles, keeping to the big book, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. And I've seen it over and over in my life since of 2013, you know, no matter what happens, I know that with my higher power, I can face it. I know I'm going to be okay. Here. And I uh, think back there is a solution. Is, uh, <coughs> but the ex-problem drinker who has found this solution, who is properly armed with facts about himself, can generally win the entire confidence of another alcoholic in a few hours. Until such an understanding is reached, little or nothing can be accomplished. That's why it's so important, because when I saw my sponsor, she had what I had. I mean, like I said, I looked at her and think, can she really help me? But, because I thought she was quote unquote too timid. But what was interesting about her is that after I started working with her, I called her my Navy SEAL kick-ass, take no prisoner sponsor. <laughs> when it came to the big book, she wasn't playing around. She was rough, and she told me the truth. It's so interesting, that persona because she understood what she needed to tell, that I needed to hear the truth. 
and she needed to tell me the truth and to tell me what I needed to do. I'll never forget, I was, um, I was really procrastinating on my ninth step because I did not want to have to go back and face those people that I had harmed. And she said to me, get it done and get it done now because if not, you're going to eat over it. Mm-hmm. And so I know I saw her work this program and be a person that people said, huh, she's that tough? Yeah, she was because she understood what it took to get her over a hundred pound weight loss and to live a life that she loved and enjoyed and that she had to do the same thing for me to tell me what I needed to do. And we feel that the elimination of our drinking is but a, but a beginning. A much more important demonstration of our principles lies before us in our, respect, our respective homes, occupation, and affairs. And that for me says so much because this is the design for living. I have to use this in every aspect of my life. And when I use this in every aspect of my life, that life improves. Where, I'm, where I don't, I can see me struggling and where I've taken back my will. You know, I see a couple areas where I go, and it's so hard, I, oh God, it's so hard. It's still hard to give up control of those areas because I've got invested that I can fix it. And even though I've seen it work in other areas of my life, there's still other areas where I'm like still struggling, still resting. Not the food this day, today, thank God. I mean, I'm clear, as long as I work this program, I'm not going to pick up. And like, I do have food thoughts sometimes. I do see what's, because stuff is going on in my life that's really tough. But I'm, my brother, who, my younger brother, who I think of as my baby brother, who is my baby brother, my younger brother, um, 14 years younger, he's more like my kid. He, we were supposed to share the house, and he's taken everything. He's taken the house, everything. And so this, son, this my son like um, and I'm still in process with this, it's hard and I don't know where I would be were it not for the, well yeah I know where I'd be were it not for this program, yeah I do I do but every day I have this program and I recognize that there's a lesson here, <clears throat> you know this is not put here to, to um, harm me, this is not put here to, to plague me, I need to grow spiritually and this is the vehicle through which I get to grow spiritually. And that's what this book tells me. There's a, there is a solution, and it's a spiritual solution for every area of my life. And when I use that, when I do that, my life improves, my life gets better. <laughs> there's a, I forget where there's a, I think it's, there's a part in here that talks about, um, Roland Hazard. Um, and what's so amazing for me is that um, when I first started thinking about going to college, I was going to be a psychologist. And that didn't work out, so I went to corporate. And I'm that first wave of people of color in the corporate. And then I got tired of that, and I started looking around for what I wanted to do, and I thought about psychology again. And one of the um, interesting things is that the kind of psychologist I wanted to be was a Jungian psychologist. And when I got this book and saw that Carl Jung is the person who said to Roland Hazard, there's a spiritual solution. And the story about Carl Jung is that Freud, Roland Hazard was extremely wealthy. He could have gone to Freud. He wanted to go to Freud. He wanted to go to Adder. They were not available. Carl Jung was available. And Carl Jung broke with, from what I understand from Freud, because he talked about the spiritual. And what also I love about Jungians, which I just found out because I was listening to podcasts, 
they take a view of wholeness. They don't look at us as pathology. They say, we're whole, we're just working toward wholeness. And what this whole book is about is that we're whole, that we're working toward wholeness, that we can recover. We can recover, but there are things we have to do. And that, for me, is amazing that um, a th psychologist who I would have been, I rediscover here in the big book. The other thing I, I love in the big book is around, um, they talk about Jim and the jaywalker. Oh, my God. Oh my. And the guy putting the liquor, the alcohol in his milk. Uh, you know, that just, uh, just amazes me because it's like, that's the stuff I did. Oh, oh, I'll never forget. I'm, I'll never, before I, I got the heart attack, broken heart, I went out with someone and I told her, because I'd been sick before, you know, in 90 I got sick, you know, so I'm with, in Wegmans, which would be my, you know, someone said a, a bakery is like porn to an overeater, <laughs> you know, um, you know, it would be my crack house, because that's what I call bakeries and places like that. Wegman would have been my crack house. And, beef. and I'm eating something, and I told the woman, she said, pizza, pizza, pizza. And I'm eating, and she said, should you be eating that? And I came up and said, oh, it's okay. Oh, don't worry about it. It's fine. You know, a couple months later, I called and told her I had a heart attack. Of course it wasn't fine. You know, but that's, you know, that's, you know, that's me putting the, you know, the, 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 the milk in, you know, it's fine. I can, you know, it's not a big deal. And the jaywalker. You know, that's me stroking a heart attack. You know, I had, I mean, how many, you know, God's telling me over and over, stop doing this. But like, you know, do I stop? No. And so what happens is that this big book has shown me that I can, that with God's help, anything is possible. And that, that's the other thing. I've got a family now. I was telling my therapist, um, I didn't, you know, the love I wanted for my family, they weren't able to give it but I get it here. And this program has given me so many people that I love and care about. Like I said, I may not like all, but you'll love all of us. I love all of you. And I love this program because it's given me a life that I never thought I'd have. And let me tell you, that is simple. Like I said, I'm in awe of what God can do when I get out of the way. So thank you for letting me share. Thanks for sharing. Thank you, nurse speakers, Nancy.